0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Hope you are having a great day. Uh, Today I ended up picking Addison's disease for our topic. I hope you're in for a wild ride here. It's going to be real interesting with lots of details. So Addison's disease is actually short for what we actually call it, which is hypoadrenal corticism. So we'll break that down a little bit. So hypo, meaning that it's low, adrenals, which are your glands that kind of sit above your kidneys. So just a little bit of anatomy. We're just talking about your adrenal glands sitting right, right above your kidneys. They're broken down into two sections. You have your outside portion is called the cortex, and the inside portion is called the medulla. So the outside portion is responsible for your salt, your sugar, and your sex. I have your attention now huh all right so the like i said those are three portions that it's that it's broken down into there's actually like these three zones that it's broken down into in case anybody cares the outermost zone is called the zona glomerulosa which produces aldosterone which is going to be important for us later it's called a mineral corticoid which is kind of our salt just in case anybody cares it also produces a little bit of progesterone as well but mostly it's responsible for salt the middle layer of the cortex is called the zona fasciculata which produces cortisol or our sugar and then the inner layer is called the zona reticularis which kind of helps stores our cholesterol but it also secretes sex hormones like estrogen and a little bit of testosterone. Not a lot, but a little bit. So salt, sugar, sex. That's how I remember that. And then, like I said, there are also the medulla, which is the inside of the of the adrenal gland as well. That's actually responsible for your fight or flight hormones. So when you have like those adrenaline rushes, that's coming from your adrenal gland. Adrenaline rush is adrenal glands. Those are your things like epinephrine and catecholamines. Those are those are like you're, you're going to jump out of a plane. Uh, that's the, that you can thank your medulla of your adrenal glands for that. So those are anatomy and lesson for that. Now we're going to get back to Addison's disease. So Addison's disease, there are two types of Addison's disease. They would call them typical and atypical. So typical Addison's disease means that we have in that cortex of the adrenal glands, we have both the salt and the sugar that's affected. Versus the atypical one, we just have kind of the sugar that's affected, or it's called hypocortisolemia. Hypocortis- so with the typical one, we have both the problem with the salt and the sugar. Like I said, an atypical, we kind of just have the problem with the sugar. Addison's is kind of crazy. so. Lots of people misdiagnose it and for good reason. We actually think of it as the Great Pretender. That's one of the other nicknames for it. Is because it can look like anything. It's kind of crazy. So it can affect any breed of dog. It can affect any age of dog. It can affect either males or females. The most it usually will affect females more than it will affect males, like 60% versus 40%, but still can affect either one. It more commonly will affect middle-aged dogs, but can still affect any age dog. And then some of the dogs that we kind of think about, the bigger breeds that we see this in, are going to be Standard Poodles, Westies, Great Danes, uh, Bearded Collies, Portuguese Water Dogs, Rottweilers, and Wheaton Terriers. But again, it doesn't have to be those dogs. It could be any dog. It could be any mutts. It could be anybody that these affect. So, what happens with this? Usually, what happens is there's two different things that can happen. You can either have a primary adrenal cortical failure, meaning adrenal cortical, right? Adrenal glands, the cortex of the adrenal glands. So there, we don't know why this happens in primary adrenal cortical failure, all we know is that something happens to make the cortex of the adrenal glands not work, that salt and sugar portion like we were talking about. We don't know why. We think it's maybe an autoimmune problem, but nobody knows exactly why it happens. And then there can be secondary problems that can happen as well. So secondary things usually means that there is this little gland in your brain called the pituitary gland and it actually tells your body to produce something called ACTH which we'll get to later but that the ACTH goes to your adrenal glands and tells your adrenal glands to produce the salt sugar and sex well mostly salt and sugar not as much sex but still a little bit and then if there's something that's going on with that pituitary gland, like, let's say that there's some sort of tumor there, or you have some sort of stroke or like, so an infarction, or maybe you have some sort of granulomatous disease, which is not a very common thing here, but still a possibility, like any of those can cause that. Or let's say you have something else that's going on with the adrenal gland, um, You can also have this happen secondary to other drugs. So sometimes we treat Cushing's disease with mitotene or trilostine, and that can kill the adrenal gland and cause the opposite effect. So with Cushing's disease, we're usually trying to make the body stop producing lots of steroids, and we can, in fact, go the opposite way and cause Addison's disease. So any of those can cause a secondary Addison's disease. So what are the clinical signs of this? Like I said, this is really commonly misdiagnosed for good reason. So most of these cases, the biggest things you're going to see is that they're lethargic. Maybe they have some weakness. Uh, They're usually waxing and waning. So meaning that sometimes they'll be like vomiting and have diarrhea, and then they're back to being fine again. And then they'll go back to having vomiting and diarrhea. And then maybe the do- the owner puts them on a bland chicken and rice diet and then they're fine again. And the owners keep thinking that because they are treating it with this pumpkin or bland chicken and rice that they're curing it and the f- dog is fine. But actually what it comes down to is that the dog's body is like kicking back in again while it can. Those adrenal glands are kicking back in as much as they can in their reserves and fixing itself. Um, Other things you might see are going to be weight loss. So people are always like, oh, I'm so glad that I I have gotten my dog to lose all this weight. Look how great it looks. But really, it's that the dog is losing a lot of its muscle. Um, You might also see them be drinking a ton of water and peeing a ton. Uh, They also might say that they notice them shivering or shaking or tremoring. You might also see blood in their vomit or stool. You might also see them be toxic or wobbly. They could have seizures, they could collapse, they could have abdominal pain. So now think about all those things I just said. That's literally everything. Right? Like the vomiting and diarrhea. That could be that could be a foreign body. That could be that could be salmon poisoning. That could be a problem with a diabetes. I mean, there could be anything there. You could have The increased drinking and urination could be diabetes or a thyroid problem or lots of things. You know, seizures, we think about lots of different things as well. There's so many things that this could end up being that it gets misdiagnosed a lot. So, usually these signs are also very vague as well. You know, people will see that they have that little bit of blood in the vomit And just like really don't think anything of it because again, like it just kind of resolves itself. But then most oftentimes what we end up seeing ends up in the ER being Addisonian crisis. So typically this is, they are lateral, they're very dehydrated, they're very thin, they're shocky, they have really low heart rates, they're very um, cold, so hypothermic very weak pulses, Uh, maybe they have hematichesia, which is bloody diarrhea, or melana, which is like black stool that's usually coming from blood from the upper GI, and they'll have, or maybe they'll have really bad abdominal pain from this, but they're usually, they, they are close to death when this, when Addisonian crisis occurs. So those are very important to get in right away. Let's say maybe we have April's decided that she loves Nora so much that she decides that she's going to get a great day. You know, maybe she's at work one day and her husband calls in and is like, hey, uh, you know, our dog is acting really strange. She's just like sitting there shivering and shaking. Um, Should I do something about this or do you think she's fine? Yeah, you know, I'm sure April at first would be like, "Uh, she's probably okay shaking is normal especially for a great date and she nervous you know maybe he's like I don't know I mean there's really not a lot going on and you know I feel like maybe she should be brought down there's something there's something just not right you know maybe when she gets brought in we start noticing some of these other things she's not just shaking maybe she's actually kind of wobbly as well and ataxic or maybe we notice that she's just really thin Um, I don't know if anybody had seen Nora when she was, um, I guess like two years old. I was very concerned that she had Addison's disease actually, because she was very thin and it was very difficult for me to get her to eat. She would have chronic vomiting and chronic diarrhea. She had a lot of these same symptoms that worried me for her having, uh, Addison's disease as well. Spoiler alert. She did not have Addison's disease, but so we, what if we get through, get one of these patients, we're like, how are we going to diagnose this? This looks like everything else, right? I mean, we might go through the list of trying to, to do diagnosis for everything else. You know, if this dog is vomiting and diarrhea, we might be doing x-rays on it because you might be worried about a foreign body. Well, if we're worried specifically about this dog having Addison's, like there's certain breeds that if I just look at the dog, I'm immediately going to be worried about Addison's disease. Like if a two-year-old female Spade poodle walks in the door, or doesn't even walk in the door, gets rolled in on a gurney through the door, I'm immediately going to be worried about Addison's disease. So the first thing we want to do on those dogs is going to be blood work. The abnormalities on blood work are usually going to be a decreased sodium-potassium ratio. So what does that mean? So usually we're looking at the sodium and the potassium. The potassium is going to be really, really high. And the sodium is going to be really, really low. So the reason why is we kind of have to go back to when I was talking about the salt-sugar insects, right? We talked about aldosterone. The aldosterone is the main mineral corticoid. So it tells sodium to be absorbed back in the body. Think about when you have eaten something super salty, like you've probably become really bloated afterwards. You're just absorbed a lot of water. And after you've drank a lot of water, like you've pretty much like start peeing everything out because your body has absorbed so much water that it can start urinating normally after that. And then you go back to not being bloated anymore. The same thing is kind of happening with when your body keeps that, that sodium. But aldosterone tells your body to do that. So your aldosterone tells your body to keep that sodium, which is keeping the water. If you don't have aldosterone, Your body is getting rid of the sodium and you don't, and your sodium becomes very low versus potassium, which is usually excreted by the body or by the kidneys specifically. And it's excreted because of the sodium and the water. The water is usually excreting all of that potassium. But if it can't do that, it's just staying in the serum or staying in the blood supply. Now, if anybody remembers, this actually is very similar to our blocked cats, right? Our blocked cats who have really high sodium. This is life-threatening. This is bad, right? Depending on how high that sodium ratio is, sodium is, this could be leading to arrhythmias, which leads to death. So it's really important when we have these, these dogs who end up Having really low heart rates or we see them having um, really high potassium that we put an ECG on them so we can see how bad their arrhythmia is and determine if we need to do some other medications first. And the next thing we're going to be looking for is on our CBC. So we're looking for a lack of stress leukogram. What is a stress leukogram? So a stress leukogram means that usually we have a high neutrophil count. So that's one of the white blood cells called a neutrophil. It's one of the main ones that's that's a really high amount of them usually because the body normally holds a lot of neutrophils in the bloodstream because of glucocorticoids, which is the sugar portion of our adrenal glands. And then, usually that sugar portion also tells our blood to get rid of a lot of those lymphocytes. Lymphocytes are another white blood cell, just a different kind of them. And it tells them to go out into the tissue and not be in the blood. But if we don't have glucocorticoids, we don't have that sugar portion of it, then unfortunately the whole roles get reversed. And it tells that basically all those neutrophils go out of the bloodstream and the lymphocytes stay in the bloodstream, as well as another white blood cell called eosinophils. So we're looking for like those kind of things on our blood work. Other things are going to be azotemia. So azotemia, we've talked again before about with our blocked cats, but azotemia means that the kidney values are elevated. And this is usually because of the dehydration because of the sodium again. Next thing is going to be that they usually have a hypoglycemia, which is low glucose. Which makes sense because we talked about the salt sugar sex and the sugar portion makes the glucose. The other things that we're going to potentially see are going to be things like metabolic acidosis, which just basically means that the dog's blood is like very acidic and that makes them very sick and then lastly maybe that the dog has a mild anemia or low red blood cells all right so what are the other big tests like those are all again things that a lot of other dogs you could potentially see you know usually the sodium potassium ratio like maybe the dog is blocked has a has some sort of urinary obstruction or maybe the lack of stress leukogram maybe the dog has lymphoma or maybe the azotemia maybe the dog has a kidney problem Again, like all of those things can be seen with a lot of other things. So how do we know that this dog has Addison's disease? So next things that we're gonna look at are two other diagnostics. One, the first thing we can do to kind of rule out, is this is, is this actually Addison's disease? is called a basal cortisol, or a baseline cortisol is the other thing we call it. So what it does is we draw blood and we run it to see what our cortisol level is so that's kind of just our basic test to be able to tell us like is this dog potentially an addisonian dog usually what you'll see is if the the cortisol level is above two then we know that there's no way that this dog has addison's disease because usually the cortisol is inside that adrenal gland and the adrenal gland can't make it. So if it's above two, we know that the adrenal gland has made enough cortisol and we don't have Addison's disease. If it's two or below, then we are highly suspicious of Addison's disease, but we can't say 100% for sure. So then the next thing we do is that we do something called an ACTH stem test. So. Basically what we do is we take that first, first blood draw, so that basal cortisol, we run that, and then we're going to give them an injection of something called corticin, which is basically something that tells the body to release cortisol. So there's two ways to do this. There's either a gel that you give as an IM injection, and then you draw blood two hours later, or there's a synthetic version that you give IM or IV, and then you draw blood one hour later, so essentially, if you give the injection and then you draw the post sample, and if both samples stay under two, then you know that that dog does have Addison's disease because you've given the injection to tell the body to produce cortisol, and it was not able to. Also, real quick, sometimes we can't wait that that one hour or two hours. Like we have to start treating that dog. Like let's say. That dog comes in, in Addisonian crisis, it's going to die if we don't give it something. You can go ahead and give it a steroid. The only one that's not going to interfere with your testing is dexamethasone SP or DEX-SP. You don't want to give a long-acting one. You don't want to give prednisone because either of those is going to cause a problem with our test. But... DEXSP sp is not going to cause a problem with our test. So let's say we really need to get our test, but we also want to make sure the dog lives. You can give that DEXSP and go ahead and do your test at the same time. So let's say, you know, April's husband brings in the Great Dane. We, just, we look at that dog and we're like, uh, this is really suspicious for Addison's disease. We're going to do our ACTH stem test and decide if this is truly Addison's or not. But let's say we have another dog come in, maybe Dr. Larson's Albus comes in, Poodle, right? We start worrying, he's lateral recumbent, looks like he could potentially be in Addisonian crisis. So for him, we're going to give Dex SP right away. We're going to start doing our diagnostics to know for sure that that's what it is. And we're going to start doing some other emergency stabilization for him. So that emergency stabilization usually has to do with all those other little things that we're seeing. So we're talking about the fact that they are pretty dehydrated. So they're in hypovolemic shock. That means we need to give them IV fluids. We need to rehydrate him. There's a little bit of discussion about whether what kind of fluid you should give. So you might see some people give just plain saline. So the 0.9% sodium chloride. And you might see other people give LRS or Normasol, whichever one. And that really kind of has to do with preference and what they were taught. So with the saline, um, the thought used to be that if you gave too much potassium, which would be in your LRS or yours or your norm, norm R, that it would give too much potassium back to the patient. But they've started to think that that's not correct. That if you gave just the saline, that that's too much sodium at one time and you're correcting the sodium too quickly, which will also lead to problems and could potentially actually lead to brain swelling and even cause um, seizures. So the way that I do it, as I usually give Normar, or LRS, whichever one we have available, or plasma light, any of those available, and I just give it norm like the normal way we give our fluids. So that, that way I'm correcting the sodium at not too quick of a rate, because the potassium is really not going to affect us too much. And then other things is looking at the ECG. You know, is that dog having an arrhythmia? Do I need to give medication for it? We talked about the fact that usually those dogs have low glucose, blood glucose, so do we need to give dextrose for that? Do we need to have dextrose to the fluids? The dextrose can do two things, which is kind of cool, right? So it could help with our hypoglycemia, but it can also help with our hyperkalemia, our high potassium. Like we just talked about, they blocked cats, you know, it helps bring potassium out of the bloodstream and into the cells. So that way, it's less likely to affect the heart. You can also give insulin if the dog has hyperkalemia, uh, but it's just not as common for us to do because the dextrose usually already helps it anyways, plus the IV fluids. Plus initiating that steroids, we talked about the IV, Dexsp. And once the dog is rehydrated, then we start doing our mineral corticoids. So that's going to be us giving the DOCP or zycortal, which is the same drugs that usually the general practitioner technicians are using, right? What does that do? Typically that just regulates the electrolytes. So it's helping regulate or rebalance the sodium and potassium. So we can also rebalance the way that the water is distributed in the body. Once this dog is like now able to be like rehydrated, it's it's sodium potassium, are back down to normal. It's glucose is normal. It's eating. That's usually when we're sending that patient home. So that's, we've gotten it out of that most life-threatening period. As soon as it's out of the life-threatening period and the, the owners can do long-term treatment with the dog, that prognosis is now excellent. The, the dog will do just fine as long as they're on top of it. And then what are the maintenance things after this dog goes home? You know, the dog will go home with a steroid. It does mean it's going to be on a steroid for the rest of its life. But that steroid is a very small amount. It's not going to be like some of these steroids that we're giving For really big things, you know, sometimes we're giving really high doses of steroids, like when we talked about with ITP, it's really high doses. And so you're going to see a lot of those, like lots of drinking, uh, lots of peeing, lots of eating with those dogs, but you don't see that as much with these low doses of steroids because the goal for the low doses of steroids with this Addisonian dog is we're just trying to get it back to what the body would have naturally already been producing. You know, your body always produces steroids. That's what it does. It, it just normally does that. You know, it's producing salt, sugar, and sex. So it's that sugar portion of it. It's always going to be producing that no matter what. So we're just trying to give the body back a little bit of what it would have already been producing before. We also want to be making sure that the electrolytes are normal. One of the things that I had been mentioning before is that you have some dogs that are typical and some dogs that are atypical Addison's. The dogs that are atypical Addison's, they do not have an electrolyte abnormality They will still always have an issue with their ACTH stem test, like they will still have an abnormal ACTH stem test, but they will not have an abnormal uh, sodium and potassium. Those will be normal. So that's why we call them atypical. They are also even harder to diagnose. So we don't have to worry about their electrolytes as much, but... And most dogs, the eight in the typical dogs, we do have to worry about their electrolytes. So our goal for them is that we need to make sure that their electrolytes are balanced and stay balanced. So we'd normally want to recheck them at 14 days to just check the electrolytes to see how they're doing, see if they're normalizing or at least normal. And then at 28 days, again, we're rechecking them to check their electrolytes and also to give them their next DOCP or zycortal injection. After that, we're rechecking them every 28 days and actually gradually decreasing their DOCP injections. Once they've like decreased them enough, then we get to a point where they can just be rechecked every six months. They're still getting their DOCP or their Zycortal monthly, but we only have to recheck them with the doctor every six months. And then one big thing to note is that if the dog is going to be having like a really high stress for some reason, like let's say it's going to go to the grooming and it's really stressful, or it's going to go to the vet and it's really stressful, or the the owners are going to go away on vacation and they're going to have a pet sitter and it's going to be really stressful the owners should double the dose of their prednisone for that period of time that the stress is going to be. And even sometimes we talk about doubling it for a couple days after. So most of the time, these dogs are only getting their prednisone once a day. So let's say they're going to go to the groomers. Typically, I will tell them to give their prednisone twice a day, the day before, the day of, and the day after they go to the groomers. Because think about when they're stressed out, they're stressed, they, their adrenal glands are trying to work and overdrive, but they can't because their adrenal glands don't work. And so we're trying to give them that extra dose that they need so that their adrenal glands don't have to keep trying to work and can't. We're trying to avoid them going into another Addisonian crisis we're doing that by increasing their prednisone. So it's only a very short course event. We're only doing it for a couple of days just to be able to get through, through that time period. And then lastly, some other crazy thing that can happen is whipworms can act exactly like Addison's disease. So it can look exactly like all of this, like, like. It looks exactly like the uh, Addisonian crisis. It can look, they can be ataxic. They can have the vomiting, the bloody stool. They could have the low sodium and potassium ratio. Like it can look like all of those things. So in Addisonian patients, if we ask you to get a fecal, that's why. is because we want to make sure that it's not whipworm. So we don't misdiagnose the patient and put them on prednisone and then the whipworm gets worse. So, uh, that's Addisonian patients in a nutshell. Kind of crazy, right? All right. Thank you for sticking with me through that. And because you guys did that, I'm going to, uh, tell you a couple jokes. So you guys can go tell little Lindsay these jokes because I'm sure she may not listen to this but she loves dad jokes and this is from one of my kids magazines so hope you guys like it all right ready what's a bird's favorite drink a spider cider what did the leopard say after eating a tasty meal that hit the spots What do lizards use to cover their kitchen floors? This one's my favorite. Reptiles. (laughs) What do snakes eat when they're on a diet? Salad manders. What do you call a famous turtle? A shell liberty. And how do sea creatures cross the, cross the ocean by taxi crab. All right. Gotta love kids jokes. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you again. I appreciate it. I hope that that made sense. You know, please feel free to ask me questions if you have any questions about it. I know that this was kind of a, it's a really hard one to understand, but that's, why it's so hard for us to diagnose in the first place because it's just it could be anything they're just so crazy so again thank you again if you have any questions let me know if you have any suggestions let me know and have a great day